It was just over three years ago, actually I think this week or last week, that I woke up on a Sunday morning, and it was the morning actually that I was preaching in the morning service here at Moody Church, so I was up early. My mind immediately was like, I got a lot to do. I better make some coffee, get priorities straight. So I went down, the coffee pot was brewing, I go out to check my email, and my email is bombarded with emails from Amazon. And I'm like, all right, like it's normal to get several emails a day from Amazon. If you're like me, you spend way too much money there. But I'm like, why do I have like 10 different emails at like 2 to 4 in the morning from Amazon.com? And suddenly I realized that at some time that morning, uh, things had been purchased on my Amazon account. I had purchased headphones, I had purchased backpack, and I had purchased skinny jeans. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure... This was not me who made these purchases. So I go upstairs to our bedroom and I wake my wife up and I kind of shake her. I'm like, hey, did you buy stuff on Amazon last night? And she like rolls over and looks like, what? I'm like, did you buy headphones and skinny jeans for me on Amazon last night? And she goes, I don't know what you're talking about. And that's when it suddenly I started to scroll through the rest of my emails. The last email I realized, it says, your email account password has now been changed and the email address associated with your Amazon account has now been changed. Call us if this was not you. And I was like, yeah, that's not me. That's not me. My identity had gotten hacked by someone else and people were ordering things using my credit card to go ahead and buy them items. I don't know if any of you have ever had your sense of identity attacked or kind of taken away. It's a scary experience because you're not sure what all is happening. You're not sure what is being said, what's being done with that. But oftentimes in our world, we have the tendency as individuals to place our identity on things that will ultimately fail. We place our identity in our success at work. We say, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to be a success. This is what I'm going to do. And things go great until suddenly the job promotion goes to someone else. And our numbers this quarter aren't as good as they were last year. And we place our identity in being a success and suddenly we aren't successful. Or we had placed our identity in certain relationships and said, this is where I find my worth and value. It's in this relationship with this person. This will bring me everything I need until suddenly that relationship falls apart. And this fall, as we launch into Sunday night service, we're going to discover that we as followers of Jesus Christ need to place our identity in Christ. And where are you finding your identity today? Is it in your work, your family, your friends, some skill or talent that you have, or is your identity in Jesus? See, tonight we're going to start our series by looking at what it means to find our identity as children of God. To find our identity as being a child of God. One of the most amazing truths contained in scripture for us as individuals that we can be adopted into God's family. And there's a few reasons why I wanted us to start in this series thinking about what it means to be a child of God. One of those big reasons is for each and every one of us, family is a core element to our identity. Family is a core element to how we see ourselves and how we perceive the world. For some of us, when we think of family, we think of great things. We're thankful for the homes that we were raised in and for the parents and the grandparents that we have. 
And for some of you, when you think of family, you're thinking of not so great things. You're thinking of hurts and pain and rejection. And those things that we've experienced, if we reflect on our lives, they, they factored into how we see ourselves today. But not only for us is family an important part of our identity, family is an important part of identity and who God is. See, we as followers of Jesus Christ believe in the Trinity, that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God has always existed as a Trinity, meaning God has always existed as God the Father. And there are things about God that we will only understand to be true if we understand God as his characteristic of God the Father. And as we grow into our understanding of identity, of what it means to be a child of God, we will reflect our Father to the world. Have you ever met someone that you just asked yourself, where did this person come from? There was a, a friend of mine I met many, many, many years ago. And I met this person, and, and this person was very nice and kind, but they were just kind of quirky and a little odd. And like, I, I was like, where did they come from? I have never met someone at all like this person. And then I met that person's parents. Within about two minutes, I was like, oh, they are a reflection to the world of their parents. And as children of God, we are to be a reflection to the world of our Father. And tonight, if you would open your Bibles with me, tonight we're going to be looking at a few different passages. There's too many in the Bible to just sit on one. So we're going to be looking at a few different passages of what it means to be a child of God. If you, uh, if you use your bulletin as well, in the middle of the bulletin will be the scripture passages we'll use tonight, as well as an outline um, that we'll be working through. And as we look tonight, we're going to discover together three privileges that are true of us if we are children of God. Three privileges that are true of us if we indeed are children of God. The first is in Romans chapter 8, verses 14 to 17. It says this, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. The first privilege that we have of being children of God is unwavering security unwavering security that we can have as children of God. See, we have security in God because we are children of God. We can have security in who we are in God because we are children of God. And I love that phrase that, that Paul says there in verse 15, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. To fall back into fear. If you think living the Christian life is about living a life motivated by fear, then you haven't understood what it means to be a child of God. See, Christianity is unique amongst everything else because when we see God as our Father and understand our identity as children of God, 
We see here that God is not just our Lord, not just our master, which is true, but God is also our Father. See, if God were just the Lord over our lives, perhaps then we would live in a relationship where we would fear God and we would be afraid of some of the consequences of what may happen in our lives. Have you ever been in an environment where the motivation of things was a fear-based environment? Maybe some of you work in a fear-based environment where it's your boss's way or the highway. Right? And, and this is how things are, and it better line up this way. And there's no security that you feel at your work because you don't know what it will take. The boss will get angry, he'll lose himself, and you could be without a job like that. I know someone who, who was in a work environment like this that was fear-based, intimidation-based, heavy-handed on its employees. And this employee finally worked up the courage to tell their boss, hey, I don't really feel like people are listening to the feedback that we're giving to, to you guys and, and to the bosses over us. They shared that feedback with their boss and were fired, saying to everyone else, yeah, you better not critique the boss. You better not say anything, better not have any complaints. And sometimes we think that being a follower of God, we need to live in constant fear that we would be rejected by God. See, some of us didn't feel this unwavering security in a family at our homes. We didn't experience this growing up, and so it's hard for us to, to imagine what this is like. For many of us, fear reigns in our homes and in our lives there. But as a child of God, I want you to know tonight that you will never be rejected by God if you are a child of God. You will never be rejected by God if you are a child of God. You have total security in Christ because your belonging to Christ doesn't matter on your performance, on how good you are, on if you did good enough stuff, if you did enough, but your security matters on are you in the family or not. And if you're a child of God, you are in the family of God and you have unwavering security in Christ. See, our biggest struggle, I think, with this sometimes is often the lies that we tell ourselves. And I don't know about you, but, but I think in my life, the lies that I often tell myself when it comes to this topic of being secure because I'm in the family of Christ, they start with these three words. But what if? But what if? But what if I were to do this? But what if this were to happen to me. But what, but what if this were to go on in my life? And we can ask ourselves these questions and convince ourselves that we could fill in the blank so that God would look at us and finally reject us. Many years ago, I was counseling with a mother here at the church and their family had gone through a divorce and she was telling me how her son kept asking mom these questions. He kept saying like, well, what would you do? What if I did this? What if I did this? And, and she asked me, why does he keep doing that? And I had to help her understand the reason he keeps doing that is he wants to see, are you going to reject him like he feels his father rejected him? Are you going to abandon him? Are you going to leave him like how he has felt abandonment already? And as a children of God, we know that there is nothing that we could do that would cause God to reject us. 
As children of God, we have ultimate security in Christ. The next passage we're going to look at is in the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians chapter 4, chapter 4 verses 4 through 7. And it says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. The second privilege we have as children of God is an unthinkable inheritance. An unthinkable inheritance that is coming our way because we are children of God. Now there's a few things in this passage and when the New Testament and the Bible talks about adoption and, and being an heir that are culturally referenced that make it sometimes a little difficult for us to look at the Bible and understand what it's saying. One of those is there's a reason in this passage in Galatians 4 that Paul specifically says we are sons of God. That doesn't mean that if you're a female, this doesn't apply to you. That doesn't mean that. But what it means is we have received the spirit of adoption by God, whether we're male or female, as sons. And the reason that is, is because in their culture, in their time, only sons received the inheritance. The inheritance was passed down to the son, the eldest son. And as we receive the spirit of adoption as sons of God, it means that we receive an inheritance. It doesn't mean that we're no longer male or female, but we receive an inheritance from God. Another thing that was unique in their cultural time and setting is often how this idea of adoption specifically for the purpose of passing along an inheritance would work. See, some of, if you flash back your mind with me as I was reading this week, 2,000 years, if you remember some of your Roman history, at this time, as Paul was writing these letters, the world ruling power was Rome, the Roman Empire. And one of the Roman empires actually who was reigning when Jesus was born was named Caesar Augustus. His, his heir, Tiberius, was someone that Caesar Augustus adopted into his family in, when Tiberius was an adult. Tiberius was the emperor. The, his heir was Gaius who became his heir because he was adopted. Claudius was the next Roman ruler because he had been adopted by Gaius. And then Nero came along and he had become the emperor, not because he was born somewhere, but because he was adopted by Claudius. See, from, two, excuse me, from 27 BC to 68 AD, the Roman Empire was passed on through adoption. And this was a common concept that people in the world got. Adoption wasn't just something that was done for, for people at birth, but adoption often was someone who was of a high esteem and a privilege and position would look out over the Roman Empire, as Caesar would, and say, who is most worthy of being the heir of my inheritance? And he would hand choose his successor, not from his family, but he would adopt someone and they would become the one who received the inheritance. And so when we are adopted as sons of God, it's God handpicking each and every one of us and saying, I want you to receive the inheritance that I will give you. So the question is, what do we inherit 
as God's children? Are you like, does that mean you're passing out $100 bills at the door today? Because that would be a nice inheritance to receive. No, I'm sorry. That's not what that means. I apologize. So what do we inherit as God's children? It's beyond what we could actually think to ask for. The first thing that we inherit as God's children is we inherit heaven. We get to inherit heaven. Jesus says that he has gone to prepare a place for us. That there is a place in heaven reserved just for you. And because you are a child of God, in your future is a place coming for you that you haven't worked for, you haven't bought, you haven't built, but God has built for you. And because you are a child of God, you will receive one day a place that Jesus has prepared for you. Another thing we inherit as God's children is we inherit new bodies. We look forward to the day that God will remake these bodies that we have that are broken and are decaying and get sick and break down. That we look forward to that day. In Romans chapter 8, it talks about how we eagerly await for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. And because we have been adopted into God's family, we will be made like Jesus was. And so we look forward to the day, if you're a child of God, that you won't get a cold, you won't get sick, you won't lose your voice, there won't be any cancer, there won't be any decay, there won't be any pain. We get to inherit that because we are part of the family of God. But most amazingly, I think, is that we get to inherit God himself. We get to inherit God himself. As, as the, the author of Revelation puts it, he looks forward to the future. He says, God will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. Or as the psalmist wrote and as we sang together right before the sermon tonight, God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That's the same word as inheritance. My inheritance forever is God himself. We will be with God. Enjoying the full presence of God. If you are a child of God, you have an inheritance beyond anything that you could ever dream to ask for. And it has nothing to do with you. Now, if you remember near the, the beginning of reality TV, a couple decades ago when that was coming on, there was a popular show that followed around a couple people who were rich, spoiled kids who had a big inheritance coming their way, and it was just following their lavish lives as they wasted a tons of money that they had never earned themselves. And if you're like me, you watch that and you go, those spoiled kids... Man, if only they knew how hard the real person had to work to get a little money, to try and save up for a house, to try and save up. If only they had any idea. They didn't do anything to deserve all of what they had coming for them. We didn't do anything to get this inheritance from God. It wasn't because you're special, because you've worked hard enough, because of your own ingenuity or an intelligence. We get this inheritance from God for one reason alone, because we're a part of the family of God. We are children of God, and we have an unthinkable inheritance coming to us. The third passage that we're going to look at tonight as we think about what it means to the privileges we have of being a child of God is in, is, excuse me, is in the Gospel of Luke chapter 15. The Gospel of Luke chapter 15. 
And in this gospel, Jesus tells three parables that are things about being lost and being found. And the third parable he starts off, and he uses a family illustration for this. And he said there was a family, and in this family was a father and two sons. And one son went to the father, and he made a request of his dad. He said, Dad, I want my inheritance, but I want it now, and I want to do whatever I want with it. This is basically like going to your father and saying, hey, number one, I wish you were dead, but because you're not dead, can I just have all your money that I would get when you finally die? That's not a normal request, nor a nice request. And shockingly, the father gives it to his son. And the parable is of the son going off into the world and wildly wasting and spending this inheritance that he had given. He wastes it not just on bad things, but on sinful things. Wasting away the inheritance, all the good that his father had worked for, had freely given to him. The son throws it all away until he finally meets his end. And he realizes, man, I should just go home. And he thinks to himself, I'll go home and I'll go before my father and I'll say, I'm not willing any, or I'm not, excuse me, I'm not deserving to be your son. Can I just be a slave, a servant in your house? And that's the passage in chapter 15, verse 20. It says this, and he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion, and ran, and embraced, and kissed him. The father does everything culturally that shouldn't be done. He goes against it. A grown man aren't to walk in public. That would be a disgrace. The father doesn't care. He is so moved with compassion. He sees his son from a long ways off, meaning this, he was looking. He was looking for his son. He was looking and waiting. And the moment he sees him turn to come home, the father runs to him and tackles him with love. The son says in verse 21, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. I, what, what I've done is too much. I can't be a part of the family what I've done has, has disqualified me from being a part of your family now, Father. Verse 22. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe, which would have been the father's robe, the best robe, and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand. This doesn't mean that the son had lost his bling. He had spent it away and dad's like, oh man, this guy needs some bling. Let's get him some nice stuff. The ring was one where you would have the authority of the father. The ring was only given to someone who was a son, a family member. He's restoring him to sonship and put shoes on his feet. Verse 23, and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. See, the third privilege of being a child of God means that we get to experience the unchanging love of God in our lives. The unchanging love of God in our lives. God as Father emphasizes His perfect love for each and every one of us. As 1 John 3, 1 puts it, that we have become children of God because of the Father's love and so we 
That as children of God, it's an expression of God's love towards us that we would become children of God. I love this reaction of the father when the son comes home. It's, it's a reaction of just overwhelming, unending joy over his son. In fact, in one of the earlier passages in Luke chapter 15, it talks about when something lost has been found, that there is a joy in heaven before the angels. I never caught this before. I was reading a book last week that talked about that means that God himself is throwing such a rejoicing party that the angels look at how God is overjoyed with love when his children come home to him. This overwhelming joy that God has for those who are his, regardless of what they do. I was watching highlights a couple weeks ago, maybe a month or so ago, when I grasped this picture of what this overwhelming joy of a father for a son looks like. And there was a few weeks ago, there was a, a man named Isan Diaz who had played baseball his whole life and had finally made it into the major leagues. His dream of playing professional baseball had finally come true. And as he was at bat, they thought, what a great idea to go and interview his dad to talk about what it was like to see his son play professional baseball. And then this happened. Is this an emotional day for you? picture of overwhelming joy over his son. It's the picture when I saw that, I thought that doesn't pale, that pales in comparison to God's overwhelming joy for us. That he stands with arms open, exalting in joy over us when we return home to the Father. And it doesn't matter what you've done in your life. That's God's response when we come home to him. If anyone could have disqualified themselves, it would have been this son. He insulted the father with his words, with how he lived his life. He squandered and threw everything away, and he came home, and the father rejoiced exultantly over him. You may think, yeah, but if you knew what I've done, if I came to God, that wouldn't be God's response. If you knew the life that I've wasted, the life that I've lived, the lies that I've told, that couldn't be what God would feel towards me. But it is. This unchanging love of the Father for his children, of overwhelming joy for us. See, the Son 
in this story had gone and searched for happiness elsewhere. He sought to find his identity and happiness in the things of the world, the things that other people said would bring him joy, and ultimately it left him empty and alone. What are you searching for today to bring you happiness and joy and meaning, significance, unconditional love? Because what you're searching for to find your identity in is only found in the arms of God, saying, come to me. See, I think as we were growing up, each and every one of us, I think we all had a family that we looked at and we wished we were a part of that family. Right? We, we all had friends or maybe as family members or someone else that were like, man, it would be cool to be in that family, wouldn't it? Oh, I wish. For me, I grew up in Southern California. This time of year, if it's not like 110, they're like wearing hoodies. They're like, man, it's cold out. And I was always see my friends with their swimming pools in their backyards. And I'd be like, man, if I was in a family with a swimming pool, that, that would be what I would want. That would be, I wish I could, but, but I can't. I'm stuck here. I love my family, but I felt stuck because I didn't have a swimming pool. Sometimes we could see what's offered to be for children of God. Security and inheritance, unconditional love. And you may think, well, that's great, but I'm not a part of that family. The reality is you can be. You can be. John puts it this way in John chapter 1, verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. As we place our faith in Jesus, what he has done for us, that's how we are adopted into the family of God. This unconditional, unchanging love, an inheritance beyond what you could think, and a security that will never leave you is offered to each and every one of us today. All we have to do is believe in Jesus. God, we thank you for Jesus Christ, that he has done it all, and we are so unworthy and undeserving of your love and grace poured out onto our lives. God, we thank you for the privilege it is to be a child of God. God, if there's anyone here tonight who's not a part of the family of God, would you open up their heart and eyes today to see the wonder and amazing life that can be lived with you as our Father. And for many of us here today who have been placing our identity in the wrong things, God, may we go back tonight into our world and go out tomorrow placing our identity on the fact that we are children of God. I pray all this in Jesus' name.